What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Weekly Cheese. The Packers took care of business this past Sunday, beating the Steelers 27-17. was not the prettiest of games, but the Packers did what they needed to do, extended their record to 3-1, and one. a lot to get into, some surprise playmakers, some devastating injuries suffered by the Green Bay Packers, And a lot to talk about heading into week five against the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't go anywhere. This is the week four edition of the Weekly Cheese, the number one place for everything Green Bay Packer. Super Bowl! 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 What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan, here with my co-host, Packer Mike. Mike, how are you? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be back on the show. I'm ready to talk about some Packer football. Oh, yeah. A lot to talk about in terms of the Green Bay Packers, Sunday's game against the Steelers, Week 5. A lot to get into. But before we get into this Steelers matchup, Got to start the show this week, starting early with the do not of the week. This week, it is being given to none other than CBS and their broadcast crews and and the National Football League. As a whole, the National Football League and the broadcast team over at CBS really let down the entirety of Packers and Steeler Nation, for that matter. Um the entire East Coast was subjected to the mockery of a game, which was Jets-Titans, which extended into the final second of their overtime. And um, the entire East Coast was unfortunately forced to lay their eyes on Jets-Titans while the Packers-Steelers game went into the second quarter. I'm I'm afraid that it was more than just the East Coast. I think the entire nation outside of the Wisconsin television market and, and probably the Pittsburgh market yeah, missed I don't... the entire first quarter of this game. I heard McAfee and his boys talking about it just two days ago. It was a disgrace. It was yeah, horrible. I don't know how exactly how those things are determined with the coverage of the game, but suffice to say a vast majority of – Packer Nation and Steeler Nation, for that matter, missed out on basically the entire first quarter of this game, which I, in my mind, is absolutely unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable, and it's not like this was any 4-25 kickoff. This was a kickoff between the two franchises that have the most devout and diehard fan bases in the entire league. The Packers and the Steelers fan bases are the most true there are in the game. And the fact that they were matching up for, what, is it once every eight years or something like that? Or yeah, four this years? This was the Green Bay Packers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, two gem franchises exactly. of the National Football League. And the and fan bases were subjected to Jets-Titans. And <laughs> it wasn't even a good Jets, game. It was a, It was a mockery, and it was a disgrace on the part of the – scheduling team of the national football league and the cbs i mean yeah at the very least can't you throw up a split broadcast Uh, like you can't throw up both games on the same screen we were forced to uh 
we were forced to search out the game on one of those shady streams oh. that, you know, every five seconds it's paused yeah. and then it jumps ahead in the action. So the first quarter was um, missed entirely by so many fans. But luckily here in the Weekly Cheese, we have NFL Game Pass. We went back, rewatched the entire first quarter. We got all the essential coverage here for you. And it really was a lousy quarter of football in general. I mean, uh Besides a few things like that the Packer fans probably didn't even want to see anyway, like Jair Alexander getting beat over top for a 40-yard touchdown, um, and John Runyon Jr. giving up basically the only sack of the game. Those That's the only thing us Packer fans miss. The Steelers fans miss basically the only things they had to cheer about for the entire day. So I'd be very bent out of shape if uh, I was a diehard Roethlisberger guy. Oh. but. Uh, For any diehard <laughs> Roethlisberger guys out there, I would say that they're having a tough time with this season. And they really if are. there are any diehard Roethlisberger people, I mean, the there guy, definitely is. The guy has his shortcomings, to say the least, uh, he, socially and now athletically on the field. Yeah, very subpar. But you know his. His record off the field speaks for itself, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I'm not here to cast shame upon Big Ben. Um, all I could say about it is there are definitely Roethlisberger guys out there, and yeah, hopefully things turn around for them. But in the meantime, it's all fun and games over here in the in the Aaron Rodgers uh, fanhood camp over here. Uh, the offense. On Sunday, although it really wasn't the most elite performance that we're used to seeing out of Aaron Rodgers in terms of his efficiency, he was very effective, specifically on third downs, and the Packers were able to move the ball around and basically do whatever they wanted against the Steelers' defense. Rodgers finished the game 20 for 36, 232 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 95.6 passer rating, and he ran one in. Uh, the old man still got some wheels on him. He ran one in there for a rushing touchdown. And two milestones are reached for uh, Aaron Rodgers, Mike. Two milestones. His 500th career touchdown, including passing and rushing, total touchdown. And his 420th passing touchdown. Now six all-time, taking Dan Marino's spot. Yeah. Ever since uh, the Week 1 game, Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely lights out from week two on he has just showed his dominance and he showed that he is still the same Aaron Rodgers who won the MVP last year and I would just go back to the week one performance and reiterate that the offense and the entire starters that was their very first look at live action and now we're truly seeing what Aaron Rodgers and this offense has to offer with Aaron Rodgers 500th career touchdown pass and 420th uh you know, it's his 500th total career touchdowns, and that's t running and passing, 500 touchdowns total, and oh, so his 420th career touchdown pass. Both he has them. over, he has 80 rushing touchdowns then. Yeah. That's significant. I didn't uh, fully realize that, but that that's great for him. I saw he passed Dan Marino for his sixth all-time, and uh, even the week before that, he jumped ahead into the top 10 of passing yards all time. So uh, He's quickly climbing. Aaron Rodgers uh, breaking records, breaking milestones, and just back to playing like the Aaron Rodgers we know. And it's going to be exciting to see how much further he jumps up on that list, hopefully wearing the green and gold. I don't know if you saw 
Uh, but out of left field, out of nowhere, Mike, I don't know if you saw this, but Brett Favre came out with yet another headline. Uh, I just want to touch on this for a moment. Yeah, we can we can glance over this. Yeah, just now. By now, the Favre coverage and his takes are just um, reaching an all-time level of absurdity. <laughs> I mean, the man, the man. I would just like to say the quick note about Brett Favre. The man was supposed to be on the Peyton and Eli broadcast week two, and <laughs> he was supposed to be on there in the first quarter. He gets on in the middle of the third quarter and says, hey, I haven't seen a second of the game. Fill me in on what's going on. The guy was coming on the show to break down the game. And so that that, that all that just to say that I would take anything, any analysis from Brett Favre with a very, very minor grain of salt. Maybe even cut that grain of salt in <laughs> half and take that for what it's worth. Cause Pulverize that grain of salt till it's mere molecules. Yeah, Brett Favre and his... And his statements in the media are just well, not to be taken unfortunately, seriously at this point in his Packers career. <laughs> taking that into consideration, uh, it's unfortunate that his his word has absolutely no say because it's true. he did come out of nowhere and say that he believes Aaron Rodgers will finish his career with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I'm surprised to hear it's him just, say something positive. About the only thing I want to, the only reason I bring it up is because we were talking about Aaron Rodgers' career milestones here, and it would be great to see him have many more career milestones, sporting the green and gold. And Brett Favre comes out of nowhere with this, but if I do recall, during the off season and preseason, wasn't Brett Favre? quoted saying that Aaron was not even going to play another down for the Green Bay Packers. That's so. exactly where I'm coming from with this. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> Brett Favre and his statements on Aaron Rodgers really should not be taken too seriously. It just seems to me that what Brett Favre just comes out and says the exact opposite of the general narrative at the time, whatever it is for the Green Bay Packers. Um, when J.K. Scott was having his punting troubles, it wouldn't have surprised me if Brett Favre came out and said that J.K. Scott was the greatest punter of all time and vice versa. He just seems to say the exact opposite of whatever what everyone else is saying. But, hey, it'd be great if Aaron Rodgers did, in fact, yeah. finish his career out. I have seen happens. a lot of the, the narratives now just going from whatever is popular to talk about on sports uh, regarding Green Bay Packers. Now the popular thing to stay is oh Aaron Rodgers he's actually gonna stay they're having a lot of success and, you know I'm just tired of the whole Aaron Rodgers uh drama and I don't know if you heard the the latest malarkey coming out of the Aaron Rodgers rumor mill but after this week and after uh Aaron Rodgers almost got Pittsburgh with 12 men on the field yeah and then he smiled over at Tomlin and Tomlin smiled back over at Aaron ever since then people are saying that Aaron's going to be a stealer next year um yeah apparently one me. of the top headlines for the Pittsburgh sports news was uh will Aaron Rodgers join Mike Tomlin after the year and it's just like these people are pathetic coming from like with these angles about Aaron Rodgers can we just let the man finish the season with the Green Bay Packers. And, and as Big Ben woke up that morning and read the morning paper, he received yet another wrenching gut blow. <laughs> Kick a man while he's down, why don't you, Pittsburgh media? As soon as he gets has perhaps the worst performance of his career against the Packers on Sunday, 
Big Ben immediately wakes up to Aaron Rodgers is replacing him rumors. Not a good day for the Big Ben camp, as we touched upon earlier. We're going to get into his performance because listening to Wayne and Larry McCarron after the uh, the game for their post-game coverage, they were extremely surprised that Ben Roethlisberger played as poorly as he did, and they expressed their their, uh, feelings about it that, they were just extremely surprised Roethlisberger looked that bad and that we're going to get into it when we cover oh, yeah. the defense, oh, yeah. but there were a lot of open receivers that he flat-out missed, and Packers... Uh, we they benefited bet- from it. Absolutely. For sure, they benefited from it. Sticking back with the offense, the first three weeks of this Packers season, Mike, has really just ended up being huge games for the Packers' star playmakers, and on Sunday... The Stars, they were out again, but it was really about the other guys. Like, Devontae Adams, six receptions, 64 yards. Uh, it, it still a strong performance. I mean, six receptions, 64 yards is really nothing to be upset about. He was definitely involved, and most of Aaron's completions did come when targeting Devontae. He did throw to him often. And Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 48 yards. He did have three receptions for 51 yards, so he had 99 total yards of offense, which led the team in a very quiet way. But this game, it was very clear that it was about getting the other playmakers involved in the offense. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the wide receivers with Devontae Adams. Obviously, MVS out with the hamstring injury, but um, as I heard in Devontae's postgame, and Matt LaFleur mentioned this as well, that when Devontae Adams was getting as much attention as he was with basically double covered on every passing opportunity, other people had to step up in the passing game. And this week it was Randall Cobb's turn. He had five receptions, 69 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, showed the entire Locked NFL up. exactly why he should have never left Green Bay in the first place. It just um, goes to show that there's some things that can't be replaced with uh, a new young receiver, just being that, and Cobb touched on this in his post game that the muscle memory between Rodgers and Cobb, that uh, Aaron knows exactly what, uh, how Randall's going to break out of his routes when he needs to, and he just knows he's going to be there. The fan base has been saying, uh, instead of third and long, we've been saying third and Cobb. I've yeah. seen it, and yeah. just look for Randall Cobb on third down. He's going to be Aaron's guy. I mean, he was absolutely huge on third down on Sunday. Really, the sole reason that the Packers were able to extend drives on Sunday was due to the Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers connection. I mean, four of Randall's five receptions were third down conversions, Two of them occurred on the Packers' first scoring drive of the game, so he really did help extend that first scoring drive and, and break the ice and allow the Packers' offense to really open up. And his 23-yard touchdown was on a third and 10, not to mention he also caught a beautiful 25-yard um, in route to the middle of the field on third and seven. He was just, every single time we needed a conversion, trusty old Randall Cobb was there to save the day. Yeah, it was great to see uh, Randall have a bounce-back game like that in Lambeau Field and to just let the rest of the league know that Randall Cobb is still a playmaker for the Green Bay Packers. It reminds me a lot of when James Jones came back back to the Packers after his 
short time with the Raiders and Giants, and everyone wrote him off as being done. But uh, when they're back in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, it's just a different different experience. You know, he he's going to find these guys. He's going to put the ball in a perfect spot where only Randall Cobb can get it. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Randall end the year with eight or ten touchdowns. Well, just... that's the thing. You bring up the James Jones return. James Jones led the league in receiving touchdowns when he, when he returned to the Packers out of nowhere after having uh, one of the worst seasons imaginable. <coughs> with the Oakland Raiders at the time. And it really is great to see Randall step into the playmaking role when MVS is on the sideline. And can't stress it, can't stress it enough how important it is for Randall Cobb to stay healthy as the season progresses. That is why he really wasn't getting many snaps in the beginning of the year, because he has dealt with injuries as his career has aged. Um but as he's on the field more in this LaFleur system, the Aaron Cobb connection is going to come back together. And if he continues that trajectory. Oh, yeah. It's funny you mention about the snaps. Uh, Randall Cobb, he had about somewhere between 35 and 40 snaps through the first three games. So obviously that's only about being on the field for about 10 or more snaps a game. Now, obviously, with MVS being hurt, his opportunity uh, grew, but Matt LaFleur was asked in his post game, was it a concerted effort to get Randall Bob Randall Cobb the ball more in this game? And he said, No, it's just the way the, the day ended up. It was Randall's day. Like we said, you know, sometimes you can just feel it when it's gonna be Randall's day or it's gonna be Lazard's day. Today it was Randall and he showed up and, and he played great and let's just keep it rolling with Randall, I would say. Awesome yeah, it was awesome to see he got to Lambo Leap uh, the crowd, I can't even imagine how loud that that crowd got when Randall Cobb touched the, the – he just scored the touchdown. I can't, I can't even imagine how loud it got. And it's going to be really awesome to see when MVS comes back. The Packers are going to have all the weapons at wide receiver that literally everyone in the world has been saying that they needed for years now. And, and it's really just funny to think about that all it took – to be considered a team with enough weapons was Randall Cobb on the team. It's Isn't funny. that funny? Yeah. That the only weapon we needed back we needed was Randall Cobb. He's he kind of the missing piece to the puzzle. He just brings something that you know him and Aaron have that dynamite connection dating back from what was it 2012 or 2011 when he was drafted. I yeah, mean the guy and Aaron have so much experience together. Um, and with MVS, you know, he really has developed into a stud, uh, deep threat wide receiver uh, with this hamstring injury. Hopefully it's not something significant and long-term. From listening to LaFleur and the other coaches, it seems like they're being cautioned. Uh, they're proceeding with caution, I, su- I should say, with the MVS injury. So um, They need to. Yeah, hopefully they, you know, since he is always going out in those long streaking passes, maybe they're thinking, let's not try to re-aggravate his hamstring. But, um, yeah, we need MVS back. He's our deep threat. And then, like you said, our receiving core is really, really um, just dynamic. Then you have uh, Alan Lazard, who's a badass blocker and uh, can get the tough yards when you need it. So we're in a good spot with the wide receiver core. And we're also in a very good spot running the football again Aaron Jones did have a pretty solid day but it was quiet he led the team with 99 total yards of offense 
but only 15 carries for 48 yards. This game, it was very clear that it was time to start handing the ball to A.J. Dillon and get him going as the cold weather emerges. A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 81 yards, had a reception for eight uh, for 16 yards, averaged 5.5 yards per carry, and for the first time all season, Thunder and Lightning were on full display. Yeah, he had 29 snaps for the game, which was his most by far this season, and uh, you could just tell by the way the game was shaping up in the second half that it was going to be time to feed A.J. Dillon the rock. He was bursting through that Pittsburgh defenses with with power with with oomph and oomph, uh yes. and he you could just he's such a big back like you said like once it starts getting cold AJ Dillon's going to be a problem he's powerful he's fast and uh on that one run where he just burst through the Pittsburgh defense for a 25 yard run it you could just tell it kind of broke their spirits like you don't want to have to deal with this big of a running back after trying to defend Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball all game and then you're down two scores and you got AJ Dillon smashing the ball into the line of scrimmage it's it's a great yeah. sight to see and, and what I I mean he had a phenomenal game uh, his eight, his 16 yard reception basically ignited the entire offense uh, on their first touchdown drive. You mentioned that 25 yard run. I mean, he got downed at the one. He almost took it to the house. Should have been a touchdown. Yeah, it was close. And he is just so powerful. He's so tough to bring down. And with, with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, it's like we have AJ Dillon to just throw the body punches repeatedly. Yep. And then what he just breaks them down. Then Aaron Jones. Then they have to try to chase him around he's to the, the outside. He's the home run hitter. Yeah. He's the home run hitter. True thunder and lightning backfield. Um, it he... really is a great combination. I mean, uh, our offense is is shaping up to be top in the league. Yeah, and I mean, if A.J. Dillon, in my firm belief, last week I touched upon it. The Packers had a fourth and one in their red zone. They went for it, and they tried to do this fancy little play, the motion action with Randall instead of just handing the ball to A.J. Dillon to pick up one yard. A.J. Dillon could pick up one yard every single time he touches the ball. I mean, he's he was getting three, four yards every single time he ran the ball. In the fourth quarter against the Steelers, he ran the ball four straight times, gaining yeah. 20 yards. I saw um, a cool stat from Wes Hodkowitz that was actually uh, in the second half. Aaron uh, A.J. Dillon, he didn't carry the ball for more than six yards, but he didn't... Uh, he didn't carry the ball for less than four yards. This was specifically in the uh, specifically in the fourth quarter when we were trying to grind the game out. So basically, to say every yard he was getting from four to six yards yeah. every time they gave it to him, besides that massive twenty-five yard run in the third quarter. But all that just to say, uh, AJ Dillon was breaking down the Steelers' defense when it mattered in the fourth quarter, running hard. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned the the play on fourth and goal. There was also a play in this game on first and goal where we ended up throwing the one, the little one-yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb. And although it was first down, we were saying, just give the ball to A.J. Dillon. To He's going to pound Dillon. it in there. You know, I never have a problem with Aaron throwing an extra touchdown pass here Especially and there. But yeah, and that was cool for his 420th. That was the one. But uh, still, I mean, when you're on the one-yard line, give it to A.J. Dillon. It and I'm sure, again, as the Lambeau cold starts settling in, A.J. Dillon's going to become a problem, especially due to the fact 
that this Packers offensive line seems to be the real deal once again. The countdown to Bach is now at two weeks. Wow. Two weeks until we'll be talking about a potential Bach return. That went fast. The countdown to Bach slowly uh, crept down from six weeks. Now we're at two weeks. And uh, the offensive line, I mean, I can only imagine how good it's going to look when we're at full strength with Bach and Jenkins back. Because right now, with these three young guys and Nyman in his second year, I mean, we're looking really tough. Yeah, the, the young and inexperienced lineup of Nyman, Runyon, Myers, Newman. We got a lot of mins and ins on the line. <laughs> Nyman, Runyon, Myers, Newman, and Turner. They had yet another massive challenge on their hands going up against the Steelers' defensive front. And I feel as if it is safe to say that they once again won the battle. Yeah, absolutely. That offensive line played great. And you can tell just from uh, watching the game live, the offensive line was uh, moving the Steelers off the ball. They were open up running lanes, pass protecting well for Aaron Rodgers. And then especially when you go back and look at the film, uh, Myers, Newman, and Turner played absolutely fantastic that side of the line. Yeah, they they really did. I mean, the Packers' offensive line gave up three sacks on the day, which isn't an ideal number to see on the box score. However, really only one of them was due to an offensive line breakdown. It was when John Runyon basically just allowed Devin Bush to rush Aaron completely unblocked on third and three. Luckily, it was in the first quarter, so we didn't even get to see it. And I like to believe that the reason that John Runyon allowed Devin Bush to hit that gap completely untouched was because the Weekly Cheese podcast did not have their eyes on the game. We are no, we are the Runyon podcast here, and the, it's, I don't think it's ironic that the one time that we're not watching the screen due to the Jets and Titans – Runyon gives up the only sack of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The offensive line played great as a whole. There was a few plays like that you mentioned with Runyon letting up. Uh, it was just like uh, I listened to Adam Stanovich's post game, and like you said, it was just a mental breakdown. They forgot to pick up the guys, but if they can clear up that mental aspect of it, they are so physically capable. These five guys on the offensive hard. line. Are really good. I mean, just to talk about Nyman a little bit, he was tasked with going up against T.J. Watt for essentially this entire game. I mean, um, he played great as far as I'm concerned. I saw Mercedes Lewis uh, say he was telling Nyman that, don't worry, man, I'm going to be out there chipping with you the whole time. And that uh, Nyman said that really gave him a boost of confidence going into the game. But uh I I think they played great, all things considered. Yeah, the other two sacks they were credited to T.J. Watt, but they were they were bogus. They were not even sacks. The, f the first was that just com that completely obvious trip on Aaron Rodgers. That I guess it's okay to call when the Packers trip someone, but when when Aaron gets tripped, the flag gets picked up. Uh, and then the second one was late in the game. Aaron just slid short of the line of scrimmage, and the Watt just so happened to be the closest guy to him. Uh, all things considered, they did a, a, a fantastic job locking yeah. up the offensive line. And the, the young line deserves their praise after their last two performances. They really do, going up against two very solid pass rushes. No, you could see, and uh, 
Larry the Rock McCarron highlighted it. Uh, Myers and Runyon and Newman, those interior guys, when they're working to get to the next level on run plays, they're they're nasty. Sometimes Newman and Myers will just flat out pancake guys, and they'll be on top of them. It, it's a great thing to see, and I think a big reason for Newman uh, playing with this, you know, newfound confidence and umfa, like we mentioned before, he's uh, he was tasked with a very important job heading out to San Francisco for the flight out. Um, here at the Weekly Cheese, we like to really dive into the details of the Packers. So we even take the time to look at the pictures that they put up on the website. And lo and behold, when uh, Newman is walking to the plane to board to fly out to San Francisco, he is holding what what amounted to be about 50 uh, chicken sliders in a in this big, big black box. I would and, say uh, it was a luggage case. Yeah, it, it might have been more like 150 chicken sliders in there, but you could tell he was bringing that big box in for the rest of the O-line on that seven-hour flight there. And I just... The amount of love and respect that he must have earned exactly. for securing those chicken sliders for the offensive line was must have been immense. And uh, I like to think he was going there for a twenty-five case for himself, <laughs> and then without even being asked, he picked up the two hundred and twenty-five pack for the for the boys on the plane, and that yeah. immediately just yeah. uh, everyone was feeling good, and and since then. Uh, he's coined the name Crazy Man Newman, and people like to think it, it has to do with his play on the field, but it's really because he eats 25 chicken sliders every single day. <laughs> That's why. I can only imagine the the amount of chicken sliders that Bakhtiari put Ugh. down, you know, not having to worry about suiting up the next yeah, day. Yeah, who knows? That, that, those could have all been for Bakhtiari. <laughs> We we have no clue the true story behind the <laughs> luggage tote of chicken, but. but um no those must have helped team morale because especially on the O line because I saw um this is going back to San Francisco but Bakhtiari on the sideline coaching up Nyman like giving him putting the hands on the shoulder pads and just put, giving him uh, all the tips from an all pro left tackle. Oh, I, I mean, didn't take note of that, but did yeah. you see if he was really getting a good bend in his knees at all? Did you take note of the amount of bend he was getting? There was a uh, an appropriate amount of bend, I would say. Was he shifted back and forth? Absolutely, yeah. Switching pressure? Yeah, he was giving Nyman his tips, and uh, you just love to see that from a guy like Bakhtiari, who he's obviously one of the best in the league, but he doesn't mind giving a little uh, tips and trick to Nyman, who's you know starting for the first time, and so it had must be uh, you could tie it all back to the chicken sliders from Newman. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think a great deal of the Packers' offensive line and their success is due. To, to the chicken, as well as Newman's greasy hair and Runyon's mustache. I think the yeah. combination of those two things are really coming all together. But we cannot go this segment on the offensive line without bringing up the true reason why this young offensive line is able to come together and play so well. And that is because the lone veteran Billy Turner. Yeah, it's time to talk about Billy Turner. He has played absolutely fantastic these first four weeks, and uh, he was named the player of the game by Larry McCarron. 
but he's just been an absolute rock on the right side for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he has secured Aaron's right side for this first four weeks. He completely shut down T.J. Watt. Uh, he's as reliable as they come with the Packers, and I'm, we're just so fortunate that if you think back, it was um, in 2018 when Goot first signed him, we still had Bulaga, who was a stalwart right tackle in his own right. We still had Bulaga lining up at tackle, and Billy Turner came in and played guard for us the first year, selflessly played guard, because obviously he's a much better tackle. And um, you can see it now, third year in the offense, Billy Turner is just kicking ass. Yeah, he was at guard to start his time with the Packers, and he the Packers gave him a good chunk of change that offseason, and people were kind of down on, on Billy Turner and, and the amount of money that the Packers were willing to give up for him. I think it's clear that that was a very, very good investment. He was worth every penny. Billy Turner has been a true, has been the leader on that offensive line. Yeah, with and, Bakhtiari now, without uh, it's uh, and Jenkins. He's he's on. Yeah. He's out there with basically three, four rookies. And yeah, bas- he's out there with basically four rookies, and he's leading the way. He's leading by example. He he's obviously a very a kind-hearted and charismatic man every time you hear him speak. Yeah, one of the— nothing but good vibes. One of the quotes of him was uh, soft and kind-natured off the field, and then they said a mauler on the field. So, I mean, that's the type of player you want in the locker room. It really is, and he, he too, sports the the medieval blacksmith leather elbow wraps and— <laughs> And he just is a total badass, and I could not be happier that Billy Turner is is playing the way he is. And and yeah. he needs to continue, and, and the whole offensive line needs to continue this success. Um, yep. Having Myers and Newman playing with that max confidence level once Bach and Jenkins comes back will really set the Packers up to have the greatest line in football once again. Yeah, and, and uh note on Jenkins, um, it doesn't look like he's set to play – this week again uh, with his high ankle sprain. So that would be the third consecutive game he missed. Um, sometimes these high ankle sprains take about four weeks. and Yeah, and I'm tough. saying as long as the offensive line is playing the way they are, don't let Elton come back until he's 100% healthy. No need to re-aggravate anything. No need to have a lingering ailment. Elton, rest up and maybe come back week six with Bach. Or week seven, I mean, come back week yeah. seven with Bach. Uh, I, let Yosh, or Yosh, and and the, these young guys really get their time in there. And I can't wait to see how the offensive line is going to look when we have Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Newman, and Turner. That would most likely be the starting five, and I think that would be awesome. It's going to be a great offensive line. It's going to be great to see. And uh, one last quick note uh, as we get into the defensive unit and shift gears here a little bit. On the week four edition of the Weekly Cheese, Packers dominated time of possession. They got it done. 34 minutes to 25 minutes, had a nine-minute advantage of time of possession. And that, too, could be attributed to the fantastic play of the offensive line and uh, A.J. Dillon just pounding the rock. And with that being said, it's time to shift our attention over to the Packers' defense and how they fared against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and what you funny. just saw there was a fantastic meme found on the Packers subreddit. Uh, it's a SpongeBob meme. You saw it for yourself, and it's just a little 
little jab at the Roethlisberger community once more. Uh, that was just a very cruel meme, and thank you, Mike, for bringing that to my attention on this fine, no, fine Wednesday. No, I just thought it was fitting for uh, how well the Packers dominated the Steelers and for all the Steeler Nation fans out there who were expecting a big bounce-back game and for Roethlisberger to look like him old self. Um, sorry, I don't think it's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard to say that we learned anything about the Packers' defensive unit on Sunday due to the fact that Big Ben looked absolutely abysmal. I he mean, really did not play well at all, and he looked like someone who was whose arm is done and whose just athleticism is shot, and he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. I I hate to say, especially with that heavy Kevlar he wears on his ribcage, he looks like a one of those brown and served sausage links with arms. I mean, the guy's a complete cylinder. He, he's like a cylinder with arms. He can't move out no, there. No, no, he can't move out there. There were a couple times when he tried to move in the pocket, and he just looked like a, a statue with with wheels you know yeah it's it's really it was not a good day again it's really hard to say if we learned anything about the Packers defense it was kind of hard to tell if the Packers defense was playing really good or Big Ben was just that didn't belong out there anymore but with that being said there were a couple of very nice individual performances on on the defensive side of the football for the Packers on Sunday starting out once again with with Kenny Clark Yet another tremendous performance by Kenny Clark, and he just continues to establish his dominance right up front. Every game, finish the day with four tackles, one for a loss, a QB hit, and a fumble recovery. Great game for Kenny. Yeah, he played fantastic. He's showing why he's one of the best nose guards in the entire league. Every week he really shows up, but there are some weeks when he absolutely dominates him. This was one of those games. He had consistent pressure on Big Ben, getting in his face, moving him off his spot, and Big Ben cannot move well at all. So that was just uh, extremely deadly, getting over to Big Ben. Uh, he could not move. Yeah. He, uh, oh, yeah, he recovered the fumble when uh, Kingsley Kiki swatted it out of his hand. So it was great. Yeah, yeah and he completely manhandled the center for to the second straight week like it seems like Kenny Clark has been bringing an attitude to the defense over the past couple weeks that it might have been without in the first two games of the season even in that Lions game although we the Packers did win and look good the defense was still missing that that attitude but Kenny Clark has made it a point to establish that attitude quick and early and he just again move the the opposing team center this time to stuff a run in the backfield. Um, yeah, I love having a dominant nose tackle like Kenny right there to anchor the defensive line. He reminds me a lot of Raji. He's not as um, he's not as big as Raji, and uh, they're they're different players overall. But their dominance is just similar in the fact that you have to be aware that Kenny Clark is there and you have to account for him. You really do, and. He is as dominant as they come in in the NFL at the nose tackle position. But in order for the Packers' defense to really play at the level they need to for the Packers to get over that hump and be considered a, the, the Super Bowl champions and become the champions, the Packers' defense needs at least one of the other defensive linemen to step up each week. Uh, last week it was the L Brothers. This week it was Kingsley Kiki. 
yeah no that's um definitely needed is another so uh another player on the defensive line to step up we saw last week with uh Lancaster and Lowry combining for their their L brothers combo but uh this week with Lancaster missing the game on the COVID list uh quick shout out to Tyler Lancaster hope you get better man with that covid diagnosis oh, he's gonna beat that hopefully you don't spread it to the rest of the team yeah yeah stay That's... away until you're <laughs> completely cleared and uh when you come back bring that heat that you had in san fran yeah that rip move that he had in san francisco was a thing of beauty maybe so. it's because he had the vid festering in him. <laughs> he brought him to a new level because that was whatever was uh, something was different about Lancaster. I in think that San Fran he game. got into the chicken sliders from uh, <laughs> Newman. I think Newman just the sheer amount of chicken sliders he purchased. Some of it had to go Lancaster's way. I yeah, mean, he sniffed those things out as soon as they arrived on the team flight. I yeah, would imagine. yeah, yeah. Lancaster was just hovering around Newman immediately. That he saw him coming in from the parking lot, and he made it a point to walk onto the plane at the same time as him to get first licks at those at those sliders. But, but really, after a slow start to the season, Kingsley Kiki he was finally felt along that defensive line. It was primarily as a pass rusher. He was still kind of absent in the run stop, but he dominated uh, Tri Turner all game. Um, and and he bull rushed into that backfield and ferociously slapped Big Ben's elbow literally with all his might. Yeah, that was a great play. Uh, watching it from a distance, and I didn't get to see the number. At first, I thought it was such a great play. I thought it was Kenny Clark, and then we saw the replay, and it was Kingsley Kiki, and I couldn't be more excited that he was stepping up and making a play like that. Um, I, he slapped he slapped Big Ben's arm like Vasily Kamatsky, the <laughs> the champion Russian champion slap yeah. boxer, <laughs> Vasily Kamatsky. Yeah, he literally slapped him that hard. He if Big Ben had no chance of holding on to that ball. No, never. Uh, and Kingsley Kiki also had a nice sack on the day. He he logged his first sack and he had a pass deflection that. That Vasily Kamaski right hand of his was doing work all day. The yeah, the balls out the air. Roethlisberger's sausage fingers had no chance to no, secure no. a good grip on that ball after Kiki swatted it out with the with the might of Vasily. Yeah, he really did. It was it was awesome to see and against the Bengals coming up and as the season progresses, it's it's imperative that at least one other defensive lineman makes his presence felt if, if that could happen week in and week out someone's there to to aid kenny clark and, and make some plays the packers defensive front is going to look much better than it has in years past yeah i didn't see tj slayton out there hardly at all this game uh, i think he played a few snaps i'm not sure what slayton the... took nine snaps total i'm not sure what the deal was with that but um no, I mean maybe it's maybe Kingsley Kiki is just stepping up in practice and showing the coaches why he should be out there. Now, this was a great game by Kingsley Kiki. Last year we saw he dominated against the Saints and then kind of disappeared for the season. Let's see him stack some yeah. uh, success here. And uh, in his post game, Kingsley Kiki said that he's his quote was he's ready to roll. That was his exact words. And uh, if he can stack some success here that would be great hey, yeah if kingsley kiki can have the game he had on sunday week in and week out the packers front seven is is 
much improved, much improved, uh, especially considering Devondre Campbell um, has yet he's continuing to show that he's like uh, he's a savior at the middle linebacker position. I don't know how else to say it. Devondre Campbell, the veteran signing from this offseason, uh, a guy who was a re- who's available very late into free agency, is a savior. Yeah, it defense. really makes me wonder. Uh, this whole free agency process and how he was left till essentially, I believe we signed him right before training camp started. Yeah, I mean, this player was sitting out there as a free agent for the entire league OTAs to have. was his first and day. He's been playing like an absolute stud. Uh, Devondre Campbell has been everywhere, over all over the field. He looks uh, lean and fast and just. He hits hard. And, and he's a very well-rounded linebacker. Yeah. I mean, and nine he, tackles, a QB hit, and yet another pass breakup. It seems like yeah. every week Devondre Campbell is making some noise in coverage and, and breaking up passes. That is really something we've lacked in the past. As a, in the past, I should say, as a linebacker that can cover, uh, cover the passes and cover a running back coming out of the backfield. Um, I mean, whenever I think of the – uh, opposing team doing a little swing pass. I just picture Ty Summers flying off and flailing his limbs in air and missing the tackle. But Devondre Campbell is is uh, just a sound tackler. He's always around the ball, and I really like Devondre Campbell. Yeah, me too. He He's just a complete middle linebacker. And after the game, he said, um, I think it was with Larry McCarron back in the tunnel. He was holding his microphone. Uh, he said that, he felt like as if he's never had the chance to to showcase his abilities as a football player that that he's always been a robin to someone's batman every time he's been on an NFL team but and he's thankful for the coaching staff and coach LaFleur and coach Barry for for allowing him to to really showcase what he could do out there and he has really stepped up to the plate and, and has performed at a high level and with Chris Barnes being out uh, it's very important that that Devondre Campbell remains healthy and he can continue the success. You mentioned Ty Summers uh, whiffing tackles on on little swing balls, or yeah, I it mean was... Ty Summers is a complete and utter liability for the Packers. He graded out as the absolute worst linebacker for PFF this week, uh, a grade of thirty six point five for nine snaps. And it, I know PFF isn't the end all be all, but um, I mean you could just see by watching the game that Ty Summers is doesn't belong on an NFL but, field, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah m- m- mine either. It's tough to say, uh, but the truth of the matter is, as of right now, the Packers need to rely on Ty Summers and Oren Burks with with Chris Barnes being out. On Sunday, it was a very good thing that the Packers were playing with the lead and, and they were able to run more nickel and dime packages and, and they could have Oren Burks in there as a pass rusher and uh, uh, in the box. But if the Packers fall behind and teams are able to run the ball, with Chris Barnes not being on the field, Ty Summers is going to see a significant increase in snaps. It seems like Oren Burks is only ever out there when the Packers could get after the quarterback and teams are forced to pass and move the ball down the field. He finished the game with 36 snaps, Oren Burks, and he didn't do a horrible job. I'd much prefer Oren Burks than Summers in there <laughs> at this point, but it seems as if if the Packers are playing down and teams are able to, to run the ball without fear of the time running out, 
Ty Summers is going to be on the field. With yeah. Him. Barnes not in there. And uh, listening to the defensive coaches in their post game, um, you know, there were some opportunities where we had three linebackers on the field at some point, and uh, because the defense knew that Roethlisberger was limited. And then <laughs> to see Oren Burks and Ty Summers both out there at the same time is is kind of concerning as a fan. So, I, yeah, to get Chris Barnes back and to possibly look at free agents, which we'll, we'll touch on at the end of the show, would be important to maybe get one more linebacker in the in the mix here. There's definitely options out there. Uh, in the meantime, it'll be interesting to see if Barnes can clear the concussion protocol and get out on the field uh, against the Bengals this upcoming week. But in the meantime, in Burks we trust and in Summers we trust. But really, as long as Devondre Campbell is out there playing the way he is um, and, and, and the defensive line is doing what they're doing – the Packers should be okay um, for the time being. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And it's on the on the Sunday. The pass rush was a little less explosive than than they were against the Niners in in the prior week, but they were still able to get after Big Ben a bit. Uh, Preston Smith did get banged up a little early on, which did lead to more action for John Garvin. Um, Preston did come back, but he didn't appear in the box score. He he, he, yeah. he had a he had a tough day. So yeah, Preston, um, he did what he could. I know he got injured a little bit, and then it was the Garvin show going forward. But um, no, um, I think honestly with Zadarius Smith's injury now, and uh, reading some of the reports from the Packers uh, beat writers that they're really not expecting Zadarius Smith to be back this season. Uh, with exception for a possible February Super Bowl game, that it's just sad to hear that the team doesn't expect uh, Zadarius Smith to come back this year, and um, it kind of just it kind of puts a big big question mark over the outside linebacker position because if we were to have one more person get injured, unfortunately, that would be a very weak group with Garvin Rivers and then whoever else I mean yeah it, it really is a tough situation uh as of right now the Packers are just relying on Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith to to be complete game wreckers every single down basically uh Rashawn Gary had another really really strong day six yeah. total tackles a we sack, should mention that Rashawn Gary played good I mean he had that one play where he literally sacked Roethlisberger through the left tackle. He took them both down. Yeah, so it was, it was the guy extreme, is extremely basically. strong. Uh, we've seen him doing the sand drills in the offseason with that with that defensive line coach. And uh, so Gary, I mean. And he's doing a great job at setting edges for the run stop. Yeah. I mean, he had a great tackle for loss to start the game. Uh, and he really has been very strong to start this season. And so is Preston. This was really the first uh, – empty game from Preston Smith but Garvin and Rivers are are I hate to say it non-factors they combine for just one tackle and like you said with with Zadarius Smith sideline for the foreseeable future um it, it it's important that those guys really step up they really need to step up um because if the Packers aren't rushing the passer well and they're not getting after opposing quarterbacks uh with the events that transpired this past weekend in the Packers secondary, that could uh, mean devastation 
for the Packers' defense. If quarterbacks have time and they're comfortable in that pocket, the Packers' secondary has the potential to get really picked apart starting this upcoming week. The Packers could really use another linebacker in this group, um, either outside linebacker or middle linebacker. They could really use someone else who could generate some pressure and just be a good presence. Um, we'll get into some possible options at towards the end of the show but you have Packers linebacker group as a whole we really need Preston and Gary to step up and then maybe one of these young guys to get going here a little bit yeah and uh as far as the Packers secondary goes Kevin King was sidelined once again this time with a concussion I don't know when he got that I thought it was illness last week uh now it's concussion yeah so I guess what they're saying is uh they thought he was having flu-like symptoms before the Niners game but then it was found out to be concussion symptoms which is just seems so bizarre to me I never really heard about like a situation like that I know if you have a bad enough head injury you could puke and be sick and have a headache and stuff like that but uh, as far as fevers go I'm not too sure yeah it's a weird situation but at the end of the day Kevin King he didn't play again uh but Stokes it was uh, played well in his, his his absence. Yeah, Stokes was starting once again opposite of Jair Alexander, and, and the Steelers did throw his way. Uh, he had an up-and-down game. Uh, he did pick up another pass interference this time. It was on the goal line, and the Steelers were able to score after that. Um, but he also had two pass breakups and his first career interception, I mean, to seal the game. He picked off Big Ben. I'm sure that's a ball that'll be in his uh, – memorabilia case for years to come a big Ben ball for your uh, first career interception yeah he had eight total tackles two passes defense like you said and then the huge interception in the fourth quarter that sealed the deal uh watching the game at first we thought Stokes kind of got picked on a little bit but uh the rest of the NFL seemed to really recognize his performance he was nominated for defensive rookie of the week along with uh, the defensive back from the Cowboys, so that's that's high praise, and I haven't uh, actually seen who ended up winning the award, but uh, Stokes to be nominated for Defensive Rookie of the Week, that's huge, and um, considering the Defensive Rookie of the Month was actually Asante Samuel Jr., who you and I clamored for yeah. on draft night for, yeah. you know, Asante Samuel Jr. just seemed like an absolute home run. I yeah, mean, he did. And if uh, you remember back to the first episode of this uh, weekly cheese season, we did talk about how it would have been nice to have him and Stokes needs to perform well because we knew Samuel was going to yeah, be stunned. Samuel just seemed like an absolute home run. But the Packers went with Stokes and – uh so now, yeah, we're going to get behind Stokes here. and He's been playing good ball, and he sh- and he has shown that he has the physical tools needed to be a very, very good player in this Packers secondary for quite some time. Uh, Jair Alexander, he had a, a decent game. He, he, he led up a long touchdown to Deontay Johnson. You know, Seems like there was some confusion there as to like having yeah. some safety help over the top. It's never his fault. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. It, yeah. You never see Jair get beat just like that, so... Never. And he seemed Jair seemed to be like on the play, like looking like where's the safety help. Yeah. But um, and after that play, he only gave up one yard. That, after that, that, it was one goes yard. to show uh, yeah. how dominant <laughs> Jair Alexander is, the absolute best uh, corner in the NFL. And I guess that'll lead us into 
discussing his injury here. Yeah, very sad news coming out of uh Well, what happened was the Pittsburgh Steelers threw a screen pass to the big running back, Najee Harris, and Jair Alexander looked like he was shot out of a cannon and just he hit uh, Najee Harris so hard, but it seemed like Jair took the the blunt of that hit and uh, he came up hurt. It looked like he was holding his wrist. We thought maybe, uh, like, damn, he broke his wrist, but no, he has a shoulder injury. I think we're lucky that he didn't break his collarbone. Yeah. It says that he has an AC joint sprain, which is rare. You never really hear of an AC joint uh, with your collarbone. So he has basically a collarbone sprain. So, um, Which is crazy. I never even heard of that. It's an interesting injury. And uh, Tom Silverstein, one of the Packers reporters, he tweeted out, Specifically, he believes Jair will miss limited time and return to play with a shoulder brace on in a few weeks. Uh, I have no idea who this guy's sources are, but it seemed pretty confident in that take when he tweeted it out. Uh, so let's just hope for Packers yeah. Nation hopes that it's only hey, two weeks. Hey, Tom Silverstein is a reliable Packers source. He's been covering the Packers for quite some time now. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, Jair Alexander got injured. Ended up leaving the game on a medical cart, and hopefully it's not too serious because in his absence, Isaac Yadam only played 18 snaps, and in those 18 snaps, he gave up two completions, one of which being a 30-yarder that set up the Steelers' last touchdown. Um, Yeah, I was surprised to see Yadam in there, but if you think about it, I mean, uh, our top two to start the year we're out in Jair and Kevin yeah. King then that leaves Stokes on one side um you had Chandon Sullivan playing in the slot as yeah. he usually does and then the next guy on the outside was was Yadam so i mean that's it's concerning it's and concerning the injury to Jair Alexander is really just the latest and what has been just a tough stretch of injuries for the Packers it's not like uh just like role players are going down their star players are dropping like flies early in this 2021 season. And it's going to, that's, in my opinion, the number one thing to keep an eye on as we progress into the middle portion of this season. And, and this week, the Packers take on a Bengals squad that is young, winning games, and, and hungry. And hungry? Youngry? They're youngry. Yeah. They're youngry. That's a great way to put it. They are a youngry squad. That's from Raheem Morris, the old coach of the Buccaneers, about eight eight or nine years ago. He he coined the term youngry. Well, the the Bengals are a youngry, youngry (laughs) squad. And the outcome of this game strictly relies on how well the Packers' defense is able to take care of this Bengals team that is filled with Youngery weapons. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals, they have a good defensive line with um, Hendrickson and some of the other dudes they have there. So that'll be a good another good test for the offensive line. And the Bengals, they also have a nice uh, core of wide receivers with T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrows. And certainly. Tyler Boyd is yeah. not too bad either. So they have a good group. Um, that'll be a good test for the secondary yeah. and the team as a whole. Considering um, how banged up this Packers defense is, um, it's good. that's, in my opinion, where the game is going to be made. Because if you look at the Packers off- on the offensive side of the ball, 
they're going to be fine against this Bengals team. Yeah, the Bengals' defensive line is good, uh, but they've gone up against some pretty weak offenses to start this season. I mean, they took on the Vikings. They took on a Justin Fields-led Bears in his first game. Uh, they took on Big Ben, who we just highlighted. Should be, should be at, out there. Uh, yeah. And then they took on the worst team in the NFL. Uh, they've not faced a challenge like Aaron Rodgers in this Packers offense. And the Packers offense just scored 57 points over the past two weeks against some of the best defense that the NFL has to offer, uh, which is why I believe they'll be able to move the ball against, uh, at will against the Bengals. And the offensive line is going to play good. And it's going to be a high-scoring shootout, in my opinion. But this Packers defense is what we got to keep our eyes on against Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense. Yeah, it's going to be a good test. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, looking forward to next week. Um, I think it's crucial to mention that there are two very notable free agents on the market right now, and it'll be interesting to see if Goot makes a move to secure at least one of them. Yeah, the Packers' defense, as we've mentioned numerous times, is banged up, and there are. It, there just so happens to be two absolute studs who have just been released from their teams. Uh, Jalen Smith with just got released by the Dallas Cowboys, middle linebacker. I, I don't know why he got released, but he, he's a very good player from what I know. Yeah, I mean, I think it had to do mostly with his contract being uh, so so big. But also, I mean, the Cowboys have a few good players at linebacker, so they yeah. decided to move on from him. He's out there. We could really use a player of oh, his caliber. Packers would benefit tremendously from Jalen Smith. And also, uh, Stephon Gilmore. Uh, this is an interesting situation we could talk about because apparently Devontae and Stephon Gilmore – are actually friends, and they've been in contact since the Patriots released him. Right on his uh, Instagram post or whatever, Devontae commented to call me. Hey, uh, I think if the Packers were able to sign Stephon Gilmore, it would really, really – I mean, the Packers signing Stephon Gilmore might be the most important move made this season by Good. I, Jair Alexander could be out for a couple of weeks here. The Packers – need help in the secondary, especially with Kevin King not being able to stay healthy, stay on the field, and when he is on the field, struggling so much. And to have Eric Stokes be raised up his rookie season in a cornerback room with Stephon Gilmore and Jair Alexander in it, I mean, that's only setting up the Packers for future yeah. success. I and know uh, an important note would be, I know he was released by the Patriots because they couldn't meet his contract demand. Um, currently looking at over the cap right now, we have about 7.2 million in available team cap space for this year. I'm not sure like exactly how it works with, uh, the salary and everything, but with that cap number, I, I, I don't know if we could fit in Stefan Gilmore. I think we could definitely fit in the linebacker, Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. Perhaps. Not, I know that uh, Stephon Gilmore was looking for a very high number, maybe close to like $18 million per year or so. Well, perhaps there's a chance he comes in just for a uh, little short stint here to end the season on a very, very friendly, whatever, like 
Tavon Austin was last year. He just signed Stephon Gilmore, uh, pay him a little bit of money here that and, there would and be... see where things go. I don't know. You're right. He has been bartering pretty heavy with the Patriots, and the Packers cap situation is crazy. But I think right now, right now, is the perfect time for Brian Gutenkunst to show Aaron Rodgers that he is ready to go all in. It is time to spend money. It is time to get a guy in the building. And it's time to make this team better. It's about taking a chance. You know the Buccaneers are going to be trying to do whatever they can to sign Stephon Gilmore and Jalen Smith. Both these guys could potentially be playing for the Buccaneers later this week. My initial thought on this was, wow, the the Buccaneers are going to do everything in their power to try to get Stephon Gilmore with their uh, their cornerback situation. They have Richard Sherman playing corner right now, and yeah. he was he was signed like a few days ago, so he didn't look right. No, not at all. So I'm I was thinking, do not let the Buccaneers go out and get Stephon Gilmore. If anything, like that would really set them up nicely. So I think. If Packers can secure one of these guys, Gilmore or Jalen Smith, that would be huge. I mean, this past Monday we had safety <laughs> Delano Hill, who was a former uh, 2017 third-round pick, and defensive end Justice Reed, who was an undrafted free agent last year. Those are the caliber of players that we're currently bringing in for workouts so and I mean, signing either one of those guys would be a very very typical goot move it would yeah. be a it would be the epitome of a brian gutenkunst acquisition <laughs> yeah but let's just hope that maybe goot extends extends an offer to one of these fine it's players time. it would be it's going to be interesting to see what happens there but in the meantime, the Packers have to play with who they have. And on the defensive side of the ball, it, it's probably going to be Eric Stokes, Chandon Sullivan, and Isaac Yadam going up against this Bengals high-octane aerial attack. Yeah, before we wrap this episode, I'd just like to mention uh, Mason Crosby and Corey Bohorquez, who is now being known as Boho. Have you have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boho. All right, so we got Boho now, and shout out to Mason Crosby, who's just consistent as ever, made all his field goals again this week. But Corey Bohorquez, I got to give a shout out to, who successfully completed a banana punt. Uh, we were waiting for when we for when he would pull it out, and, and he finally did. Yeah. So, uh, out of nowhere this week on the press conference, I heard that that booming kick that. Uh, uh, was down at the four-yard line where he pinned the Steelers back. He utilized the banana punt technique there, and uh, suffice to say, worked out like gangbusters. Great step up in in punting over the past couple weeks. It's great to see. I mean, J.K. Scott, where we're used to seeing top some, ten in the league yeah, right now as a punter. We're, we're used to seeing some twenty-five-yard punts uh, being pushed back by the wind and. Now we're seeing 56-yard boomers nearly every time. It's just great to see because there was one sequence where we were backed up and we were punting out of our own end zone, 
and Bohorquez just boomed that thing, and it went down to the uh, like opposing thirty yard line. It was like a sixty something yard punt. It was massive, huge, punt. and you know it's just like thinking back to J.K. Scott. There was times where he would kick that thing and it would go twenty two yards, like yeah, a, like a high schooler. Yeah, so. it's big step up, big improvement there, and like you said, Mason Crosby. As consistent as ever, I believe he has made 24 consecutive field goals, which is, I believe, the longest streak of his the career. The man's right leg is made out of solid granite. I solid mean, granite. Father it, time himself. He is just an absolute stud. Packers legend. Packers legend. And with that being said, like always, it starts with stopping the run. If the Packers could stop Joe Mixon early, gain a lead, allow themselves to line up in that nickel-dime package and uh, – keep major liabilities like Ty Summers off the field as much as possible. Um, they could do that, force Joe Burrow to throw the ball down the field, uh, get after him a little bit, force him to be under pressure. I believe the Packers will win a high-scoring shootout. My prediction is the Green Bay Packers win 35-27. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think the Packers will take this game. I think it will be somewhere uh... – I would say Packers 31, Bengals 24 about. I think we're going to win a close close shootout game there, uh, especially considering um, they have a great receiving core. And with Jair not suiting up for this game, I can just see them scoring three or four touchdowns. But, but hey, I think the Patri- uh, excuse me, Packers will still take this game, and I um, think it will be a fun one to watch. Yeah, and as we wrap up here, uh, Mike, got any locks of the week for us? Certainly. So this uh, past week, the Tennessee Titans broke my heart, losing to the New York Jets in that devastating fashion. That was absolutely disgusting to see them lose that game. But uh, as far as this week goes, obviously the Green Bay Packers, uh, three-point favorite over the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they'll smash that number. And um, another game to look out for is would be the New England Patriots going over to play the Houston Texans. I just foresee the Patriots laying a massive hammer down on the lowly, pathetic Texans. So look out for that, too. That will do it for the Week 4 edition of the Weekly Cheese, the number one place for everything Green Bay Packer. If you like the content, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, find us on Spotify at The Weekly Cheese. Also yeah. on Instagram at TheWeekly.Cheese. We have a Twitter account that will be posting some halftime reports for the game. That's over at The Weekly Cheese as well. Check that out. And we'll talk to you next week when we reconvene to break down what will be yet another amazing victory from the Green Bay Packers. Have a good rest of your week, everyone. And remember, the cheese stands alone. Talk to you next week, everyone.